0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. joined tonight by my co-host, Matt DeBear. Matt, what's going on? Oh, you know, just day 773,
1: I think it is, of uh, self-isolation and quarantine, (laughs) and uh, I've only sort of lost my mind at this point, but uh, no, we're going to talk a little Penn State football, so something is right with the world, I suppose.
0: Well, the secret to make sure that you don't lose your mind uh, in all of quarantine is to just do what I've done, which was lose your mind years ago, and uh, things just don't seem as, uh, I won't say don't seem as bad, things are obviously very, very not good. Uh, Of course, all of us here at Royal Lions World would like to advise that you are continuing to wash your hands, uh, practice social distancing, wear a mask if you go anywhere, all those sorts of things that will hopefully make it a little bit easier uh, to have college football this fall, even if... I'm not going to lie, I'm starting to have some skepticism over whether or not there's going to be college football this fall. That's a conversation for a completely different podcast, because today, uh, instead of being, you know, the the quarterback podcast, there were a lot of questions, there was a lot of trying, there was a lot of saying things like, if, 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 uh, with regards to a guy like Sean Clifford, if he could take the next step, Will Levis, if he can get on the field, those sorts of things. This position that we're talking about today doesn't have a whole lot of ifs. We're talking about Penn State's running back room. Perhaps the best group of talent, mix of talent and production that Penn State has on its roster. Uh, Linebackers, you know, the one that might be above that. But these running backs that the Nittany Lions have, Matt, there's something special in that room, and while I think that they have a very high ceiling should Sean, that is dependent on Sean Clifford taking some steps forward, some receivers taking some steps forward, those kinds of things, I think they have a very, very high floor this Penn State Nittany Lion-T because of what it has at the running back position
1: yeah you you hit it right on the nail there or the you hit the nail on the head there bill it's been i'm out of practice' I haven't been one of the well, well, in a the podcast. well the thing is so.
0: like I have to hit a nail in order to hit it on the head, so like you're not wrong
1: exactly, but anyway, back to uh rather than mixing metaphors and whatnot um the running back room I, not only is it i think from top to bottom the deepest position um talent wise on the roster. I think there's a pretty compelling case you can make. It's the best collection of running back talent in the country. Um, just when you look at what Penn State has returning in Journey Brown, who really exploded on the scene uh, the last month of the 2019 season, certainly in the Cotton Bowl. Um, Noah Kane, who was on his way to a really productive freshman season before injuries, sidelined him for most of the second half of the year. Um, and then a guy like Devin Ford, who we didn't see a ton of last year, but um, certainly flashed and um, I could make a case potentially that he might be naturally talented, more naturally talented than anyone else on the roster, which is saying something um, with, the, with the other guys in the room. Then you had two new true freshmen we'll talk about here in a minute who both, I think, add an interesting dynamic. And it's it's fascinating to me on one level that you can have that conversation um, and not be out of place by saying that it might be the, the best collection of running back talent in the country. And, oh, by the way, five, former five-star talent Ricky Slade announced he was transferring mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Um, it's just – it's a really dynamic group, and I think as we go through this here in the next little bit, you don't have a whole lot of um, overlap of talent. I think each guy brings something interesting to the table that the rest of the, the group doesn't, um, which I think makes them situationally effective. And I think it also – just from a, a you know drive-to-drive perspective, it allows them to do – different sorts of things. And I think um, you think about Kirk Sharaka and what he's, what he is looking at on this talent um, at running back where he's trying to install this new offense and he, you know, looks up and down the roster and he's got three guys that were really productive as uh, two true freshmen and a, a red shirt sophomore last year. And then he's just, he's adding two more four star talents to that group. Um, that's going to run behind a pretty good offensive line too. It's a really, really intriguing group and i think it's one of the reasons if not the biggest reason why there's so much optimism surrounding penn state's prospects this year overall and then that's not just from a, a local perspective we we had it on the site earlier in the week uh, nick and i talking about the you know whether or not this team is is being over or underrated going into the year and when you look at these preseason polls that have penn state you know anywhere from 5 to 7 or 8 you know right in that solidly in that that tier of teams right be- below the the consensus elite group this year, the, the running back position is probably the biggest reason outside of Micah Parsons, why they're getting that much hype. This is a, a legit talented group that I think can do a lot of things to carry this team.
0: And mentioning mentioned to Micah Parsons, he- Maybe he gets a carry this year. I think I think I speak for everyone when I say uh, it would be really cool if Micah Parsons carried the football this year. Uh, I, I'm actually really glad that you mentioned Ricky Slade because he's such, like, he, you know, he's not with uh, the team anymore. Uh, I believe his father disputed reports that uh, he was going to go to Old Dominion. But in terms of just star talent, in terms of of what everyone expected this running back room to be this running back room ended up being so good that a guy like Ricky Slade, who there are every single program in college football would have wanted to have that kid on their roster. If they could, he just had like, he had to go somewhere else and that's not a knock on him at all. I think he's a very talented football player. And I think that, um, I think that he's a guy who was hurt by the type of running back. He is not being something that is necessarily compatible with the backfield where they're doing a ton of rotation. I think he's uh, very much a home run hitter type of guy. And I think that is easier to be a home run hitting type of guy when you get 20, 25 carries a game and that just never materialized for him. But there's so much talent in this room that that guy isn't around anymore. And When you look at the known commodities in Penn State's running back room, there are three guys who are really, really, really special, but before we get into them, uh, we're going to do what we did with the quarterback episode, and we're going to talk about the backups and then the starter. Uh, Obviously, it's a little bit uh, murkier where that line is with running backs, because you know, Journey Brown's nominally the starter, but there could be a game where Noah Kane gets more carries, whatever. But the one thing that we do know is that the guys at the bottom of the pecking chart among scholarship players are a pair of true freshmen from Florida. Uh, Kaziah Holmes, uh, a four-star running back, number 186 prospect in the country, and the number five all-purpose pack back this past year. Coco, Florida, uh, 5'11", 179. And Kayvon Lee, number two eighty player in the country last year, and the number twenty two running back in his class. American Collegiate Academy in Clearwater, Florida, six foot, two hundred and ten pounds. Uh, Matt Holmes does he he does have a bit of a leg up in that Lee is a guy getting to campus now, whereas Holmes is an early enrollee, so he's going to have that sort of. So again, he just has that sort of leg up, but. Looking at those two backs, do you think that we are going to be able to expect anything out of Kaziah Holmes and or Kayvon Wee for the Nittany Lions this year?
1: I'm more optimistic that you see it from Holmes um, and you hit it, the biggest reason he's been on campus for two months. Obviously, that's been mitigated a little bit since he has been back in Florida um, until recently um, when uh, without the, the, the advantage of spring practice. So really all he had he was able to go through was was the winter workout program uh, in January and, and February. But I think what is, you know, one, just that experience of, of having a couple months under his belt, kind of understanding the expectation level at, at the collegiate level um, and c- going through that workout program um, and, and spending time with his teammates. You, you just naturally have a, a bigger comfort level like anyone would having, having that experience. Um, but I think, too, what he, where he also fits in is – he brings, not that the other three guys on that we're going to talk about here that have been on the roster don't, but I think Holmes is that true home run threat. He's got, got track speed. Um, I believe he, he's he got a sub-11 second 100-meter time in track in high school. Um, he brings an element that I think, in one sense, I think you lose a little bit with Slade, um, but I think it, it it creates a niche for him where he does some things that you don't necessarily get with with Brown, Ford, or Kane. Um, Brown's probably the closest, as we've talked about when he he joined the program. You know, was had that elite level speed, but we've seen now he's kind of morphed into more of a, an all around back with with that breakaway type speed. Holmes is that guy that gets the ball in his hands, and you you have that feeling that he could break it every time he touches the ball. In a sense, um, Lee, I think, might have the more well rounded game at this point. Um, obviously, it's real early for both of them, um, but not being not having the advantage of enrolling early, just it, it's going to actually put put him behind the ball a little bit. Um, with him now, with, with freshmen starting to arrive on campus now, as sort of this this pre-camp uh, OTA sort of situation that's going on now, with um, team, with uh, players starting to trickle back onto campus all over the country. Um, as far as playing time, I think never say never is probably what we should learn to expect with the running back rotation. Um, if you're good enough, you're going to play. Um, and it doesn't matter. Um, in the journey Brown, Ricky Slade thing is kind of a a perfect analogy for it. It, You know, the best guy is going to play regardless of the number of stars that were next to your name. Um, and if you prove that you can play, you're going to play. And I think that's what we saw the evolution of last year that, um, you know, we, there was kind of this demand for, for less of a rotation, um, and we saw less of one once journey Brown really established himself as that guy Aided a little bit by Noah Kane's injury, of course, but um, he took advantage of it. And I think if, if either one of those guys, Holmes or, or Lee, proved that they're, they're capable of, of contributing, I don't see any reason why, why at least one of them doesn't, I think Holmes might have another advantage too in the return game potentially where that speed can become more of a factor. Um, but I, I think from a, a you know, number of carries standpoint, if you want to think of it that way, um, I think something more along like maybe what Devin Ford or Ricky Slade had, had last year, right around 50 carries, would be the absolute max um, probably combined between the two of them. And and the four-game redshirt rule too, I think, is is going to be um, really relevant for both of them because I think um, there are some games in the schedule potentially where you can rest those guys higher up in the depth chart and, take, and get the, the two younger kids an opportunity to get their feet wet a little bit and see kind of – you know, what you've got with them and go from there.
0: Yep. I, I mean, I was, that, that was the thing I was going to say, you have four games. You might as well use them. Uh, you know, it's obviously different with what we did last week with quarterback. where like, there's just no, th- there is like one plausible path for uh, Micah Bowens to get, get the football snapped to him at any point this year. Uh, and that is, just injuries on injuries on injuries with Holmes and Lee, like there's really the only potential downside that I think you can argue to uh, them getting carries is that, uh, you, you know, Noah Kane had 84 last year. Devin Ford had 52 and you want to get them some more reps. But when you have, you, you know, Lee is a vet. I think he's going to be a good, well-rounded running back, and he's someone uh, he already looks the part. I mean he's listed at six foot two hundred and ten pounds on twenty-four-seven, which for uh a an 18-year-old running back is ridiculous, but you can afford to be a little bit more patient with him because of the skill sets that Ford, Kane, and Brown have. With Holmes, there are two kinds of speed. In college football, there is speed, and then there's the kind of speed that makes those other guys, those speed guys, look slow. That's the kind of speed that Isaiah Holmes has, and you might as well find a way to take advantage of that, even if it's in limited action. Like I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, Devin Ford last season. Uh, last year, Ford 52 carries, 294 yards on the ground, uh, 5.7 yards per carry, uh, and then caught five balls played a little bit more as the season went on. Uh, Well, no, he, he, a few carries against Maryland and Purdue, but that sort of thing where you find your spots to get the true freshman on the field and let them work on the thing that they are good at. And they should, should be able to reward you for that. And both Lee and Holmes are talented enough that I think they can do that. Uh, The issue is what's ahead of them. And, justifying taking the other three guys off the field, starting with a guy that you had mentioned a moment ago, Matt, as maybe being the most talented of the bunch in this running back room, which says a lot considering the guys who are in there. That's Devin Ford coming into his sophomore season after, you know, I just read the numbers on his freshman year. Wasn't a super, you know, he didn't set the world on fire or anything like that, but he had a very very respectable true freshman campaign, five point seven uh yards per carry. I guess my questions for him, and they are twofold: number one is how does he take a step forward, and then number two, will he get enough chances to do that because while you and I agree on his uh talent you know former four star top you know number seventy nine kid in co- all of college football. Noah Cain was really, really good last year. Jerdy Brown was really, really, really good last year. And a guy like Ford is going to have to fight for every single carry that he's going to get, Matt.
1: And I think this will be the first time I mention this probably of several as we, we go forward here. But I think that there's, when you look at it this way, Sean Clifford carried the ball last year 116 times. Uh, Ricky Slade carried for 47 times. Sean Clifford is, is certainly going to be a, a factor in the running game but we've talked about it a lot and written about it a lot that the quarterback running the ball is not as big a part of, of this new offense as it has been really the last four years at Penn state. So a portion of those 116 carries are are theoretically up for grabs. And those 47 carries that Ricky Slade had are, are up for grabs. So I think not only by moving his way up the depth chart a little bit, um, you know, essentially from from fourth to third if you want to think of it that way um you know he's going to have more opportunities but there's just going to be more carries to go around in general um and those are going to be split among you know all four or five guys or three to five guys i should say um but i think you know like i said earlier the best guys have proven and that this isn't just a a recent development penn state especially at running back is going to put their best players out there and um I think it's gonna be a fascinating thing to watch because there's um you know we saw Noah Kane last year, you know, how, how effective he was, um, especially, you know, short yardage situations on the goal line, um, you know uh holding leads late in games, that sort of thing. Um he certainly has proven what he can do. And I think there's still um you know, on the field in games, there's question, there's still that that question to be answered about Devin Ford. I think you and I both agree that that he's going an to answer that emphatically. That he's he's more than capable, but he still has to go out there and prove it. Um, but I think I think you're going to see a very even split ultimately between Ford and Kane, just because I you know there's those more carries that I mentioned being up for grabs, and I think Ford's just going to take that next step forward. I think um, Kane was probably um, he, he enrolled early last year, so that he had the benefit of that. But I think he came to to college as the more um, he was closer to his ceiling than Ford was. So I think um, he was more of a known quantity. If you want to think of it that way than Ford was last year, I think going through that year, going through the offseason conditioning program. Now having his, you know, pun intended legs underneath him, I think is going to be a huge benefit to a guy like Devin Ford, who now um, you know, sees the more care sees carries available. And I think is going to show that he is, worthy of, of getting more carries.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I'd agree with that. I, he, I I would, how, how do I put it? I think that the thing that makes him so interesting is that, you know, Journey Brown is a capable pass catcher. Uh, Noah Kane wasn't really asked to do that last year. But in terms of, you know, being the pass catching running back of the group, I think that Devin Ford has the potential to really do some special things in the passing game, just because of what happens when you get him out into space, how good he is uh, at, you know, getting to his top speed, his agility, uh, kind of the bag of tricks that we've seen out of him uh, when he's isolated against a defender. Like, he has all of that stuff, and I I like how you kind of said that the break you know with those 47 carries that ricky slade has those can be moved around. and also like when you think about it, the 51 carries that will levis had i mean how many he had 18 of those carries against ohio state 17 of those carries against rutgers and naturally those those might head over to clifford but the, those are still plays that can involve running the football clifford if he is more uh willing to give the ball to his running backs there's another 50 right there that aren't necessarily going to Sean Clifford those could be spread out as well I do think and I'm saying this despite the fact that as we know I'm a huge Noah Kane fan I would not be surprised by the end of the year Ford is nominally uh the the backup running back, the guy who puts up the second best numbers of the running back room, the guy who is positioned to be the running back one once journey Brown goes, because like you mentioned, while Noah Cain came into college and was closer, you know, his high floor meant he was closer to his ceiling. I do think Devin Ford is the kind of kid for whom the sky's the limit. And as this season goes on, he's someone who's going to really benefit from getting more and more carries. Like, I don't think he's necessarily going to be as streaky as Ricky Slade was, which I think ended up being Slade's big issue uh, in the end, because I think Ford just has that element of physicality to his game uh, that Slade didn't necessarily have. So you put all of that together, and he seems like, of all the people in this room, He's the one who could really break out this year. I mean, If you want to say that Journey Brown didn't really break out last year, that's fine, I suppose him. But Devin Ford, I think, has the potential to put up some really, really big numbers this year. Like, If I were a betting person, uh, 52 carries last year, he's going to crush that. 294 carries, I think he's going to annihilate that and way more than three touchdowns, plus improving on his receiving numbers. Like, That's the kind of talent that he is, and that's the kind of talent that I think will be on display for the Nittany Lions this fall or whenever we get football. The one thing that we do know about Penn State's backfield, though, is that when they need to get two yards, they have the kind of bully in the backfield that any uh, football fan would love, and that is Noah Kane. Uh, Just look, he's up to 223 pounds. Uh, Scary, scary size. In physicality, last season came, uh, like Matt mentioned, suffered an injury that ki- that kept him from uh, playing as much as Penn State fans would have liked later in the year. But in the times that we did see him, he was just tremendous. 84 carries, 443 yards, eight touchdowns uh, for the former IMG Academy product. Matt, do you think that Noah – Kane, I his best role written down for the first thing we're going to talk about do you think he's the kind of guy who uh would be best getting you know twenty five carries a game or do you like him as he's the short yardage back he's the third down back who's going to pick up blitzes on passing down to those sorts of things. like what is Noah Kane's best role in Penn State's offense
1: I think the the simple answer is, is that short yardage situation or that run the clock situation that I mentioned earlier. Um, and I think I I hate to typecast him like that though, because I think we saw flashes last year. If he can be more than that. Um, I want to say it was the, um, the homecoming game against Purdue where you saw him flash a little bit more explosiveness, um, than we, than maybe we had expected. um, I, I think this kind of holds true for everyone on the roster and, and they hit on this so much last year. And I don't think it, you're really going to see it change, even though the, the guy calling the plays has changed is that they feel like they can run anything with any of those guys in there. Um, I think naturally you end up with, you know, uh, you know, close game situations. You're going to go with a more experienced guy And journey Brown, for example. I think we, you know, you just look at the touchdown numbers. I think, uh, Cain had eight or nine last year and just those 80 some carries. Um, so obviously he's getting a lot more chances in the goal line. I think he's you know just naturally built for that. So I think situationally that's where he fits best, but I, I don't think you can, you can write him into one role specifically that you can with, with all the guys. I think it's, they're a lot more versatile than I think they get credit for. And I think Kane's kind of the poster child for that because, um, you know, how he was used last year kind of lent itself to a specific thing um, where he certainly is, is great at that. And I don't mean to to make it sound like, you know, he, that's not the right situation for him, but I think he can be more than just that. Uh, if that makes sense.
0: No, that makes sense. I mean, he does. It is very easy to get pigeonholed uh, as the short, short yardage guy as, uh, you, you know, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but he has the reputation for being uh, the third down back, the short yardage back, the bruising back, when we did see he has some agility about him, he has some speed about him. Of all of Penn State's running backs last year, he was the one who I was the most impressed with his vision. Uh, It seemed like he was very good at taking a handoff and running towards the line of scrimmage and seeing everything and then just attacking whatever hole would have opened up. And I think he's someone who, I just think he makes Penn state's running back room better. It's still the thing that uh, we said on national signing day last year, but his mentality, his approach and all the things that he does are things that you want in your running back room. He's a guy who's going to challenge everyone. He's a guy who's going to bring his A game every single day, and that makes everyone around him better. And it also helps that he can back that up on the field. I would not be surprised if we see, if just because of what he is capable of doing, I would not be surprised if we see a few games uh, like the Iowa game last year where it seemed like Penn, well, it didn't seem like Penn State trusted him as their uh, top running back in that game. He had 22 carries. Uh, Journey Brown, Devin Ford, and Ricky Slade all had four carries individually. He's going to have his games where he is really cooking and he is really attacking defenses. And when those games pop up, you're not going to be able to take the ball out of his hands regardless of how good everyone else is. The question the, – kind of the second question is off of that is how does he build on last year? I, do, I don't think there is much building for him to do, and I don't necessarily mean that as a knock. I just think that if we get that version of Noah Kane this year, the guy who ran for 5.3 yards per carry uh, and had eight touchdowns and 84 carries, basically one touchdown every ten times he carried the football – that's going to be really, really, really good.
1: Yeah. And I think to answer the question, I think proving what we think we know that he can be more of that well-rounded player. And that's, you know, more than anything, just getting the opportunity. And I think we, he was limited certainly last year with the injury that really took him off the field for um, the last six or seven games of the year, really. Um, And he even said as much on a zoom call um, with the media just a week or two ago, um, you know, kind of diving into how that this injury just kind of lingered, and it ended up being a lot more—I um, don't want to say severe, but a lot more significant than I think anyone expected at the time. And we all remember the the Noah Kane watch before games. You know, really starting—you know—at at that midway point of last year. You know, what, is he going to be on the field? Is he warming up? Is he not warming up? Um, and it seemed like every week we thought he'd be there, and then he wasn't, and we—you know—got the got the light shutted on that. But I think. Now in his second year, healthy, staying healthy, just taking advantage of those opportunities that he's going to get, and proving that he can be more than just that 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 banger between the tackles, that short yardage guy, that goal line guy, proving that he can be kind of all things in all situations. Yeah, um, and, and like, they, may, like they've
0: talked about, if I may, like even if that is what he is, that's still a dimension. You know, Jardy Brown is, is a more well-rounded back. Devin Ford is a more well-rounded back. I suppose, Kayvon, we can do that. That's still a dimension that those other guys have had to learn. That's just something that comes naturally to him. And that's something they don't For have sure. elsewhere I, in the room.
1: And I think, and you hit on it earlier, that he's he's incredibly decisive. Um, he's, you know, he sees the hole and he hits the hole hard. I don't think there's a That's just, you know, he's not that guy that's gonna try and beat you one on one all the time. He's gonna see what his bet you know, where the bit the best opening is. He's gonna hit it hard and he's gonna get what he can out of it. Um, you know, I'm looking at the, the longest carries for uh running backs last year, journey Brown, eighty-five yards. Uh Sean Clifford, fifty-eight yards, Devin Ford an eighty one yarder. I think that was the Idaho game maybe. Ricky Slade had a forty-four yarder. Uh big Will Levis had a forty nine yarder. you've got Noah Kane at twenty seven yards. And I think that kind of demonstrates that he's he's not trying to hit that home run every play. Um, it's just not his game. I think it's, you know, I'm going to take, if it's, you know, four yards, if it's eight yards, I'm going to, you know, hit that hole, hit it hard and and go go straight forward. There's not a whole lot of east-west in his game. And I think that, you know, going back to what we were talking about, it kind of separates him from what the rest of the group does. And it's not good, bad, or, or indifferent. It's just, it, it kind of just is what it is. It's what he brings to the table that they don't necessarily get with the rest of the group
0: yeah I mean, it, if you know he certainly has elements of his games that uh suggest that he could be more than this, but if he's just the three yards and a cloud of dust guy, like I'm perfectly fine with that like he is very, very good at doing those sorts of things and Penn State's running back room will be better because of it. uh the ultimate reason why Penn State's running back room is very good at least uh heading into this season. Is the nominal starter, which is Journey Brown, uh, the it, you, you know coming in, in years past? Uh, it was very, very, very obvious that Saquon Barkley uh, was going to be the dude someday. It was very, very, very obvious that Miles Sanders was going to be the dude someday. I think that despite his very prolific collegiate career. If you told me at any point Journey Brown was going to be Penn State's starting running back, I would have been kind of worried about that. You know, three-star kid, number 918 nationally, was viewed as an absolutely stunning burner, but you didn't know about the rest of his game. What he has turned into, you know, Matt, we can, uh, you know, just touching this quickly, I don't know if there is a transformation on Penn State's roster from what someone was at least right now. What someone was as a recruit to what they are now that is more stunning than the one that we've seen out of Journey Brown.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think it's it's not just the the recruiting ranking. I was you know, I remember back when he committed, it was kind of one of those um not not a head scratcher necessarily, but it was one of those it caught you a little off guard because of how well Penn State's recruited running backs and has continued to recruit running backs. Um, you know, Kayvon Lee, I think you said is like you know, two eighty nationally. He's the lowest rated by a by a pretty healthy margin kid they brought in, with the exception of Journey Brown. And that goes back to, to really since James Fra- James Franklin has been here. I mean, you know, Andre Robinson, some of the kids that have transferred out, um, that have come in under Franklin were we're all very highly regarded. Um so you have that factor and you hit on the other part where the speed was, was a known commodity from, from day one um, and and the prolific high school stats and everything. I don't think any fan um, and probably quite a few recruiting analysts could have ever envisioned him morphing into what, what you see now he's really, he's, he's developed skills that you didn't see in high school. And part of that is because of that, that breakaway speed. You didn't necessarily need it. Um, But he's become just a different kind of player than I think anyone really anticipated, Um, at least, you know, from our perspective, I'm sure, you know, coaching staffs and and whatnot, guys that do this for a living saw, you know, some of this potential, but um, to go from, you know, guy that we kind of thought might be looking to transfer after a couple of years, just because the depth chart, wasn't going to favor him to unquestioned number one guy on a depth chart laden with talent from top to bottom, and you know we're we're going to talk about here in a minute, but you know potential NFL future after this year, there was even some some probably more internet chatter than anything. But he would have been eligible after this last year as a redshirt sophomore um, to go. And I don't think in anyone's wildest dreams that we thought we'd be having that conversation with, about Journey Brown, you know, in hitting into his redshirt junior season.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm looking into this right now uh because I was interested while you were speaking talking about um Journey Brown as a uh you know, just as a recruit and through 2020 uh let's see Yeah, through 2020 James Franklin has brought in however many recruits over the uh over his tenure there have been 17 recruits in his uh in the one two three four five seven recruiting classes that he has brought to happy valley that have had a lower composite rating than journey brown uh i can like i didn't go through and know who they were because this was just a little something that uh popped into my head while you know you were speaking there matt but like Robert Windsor was a good player for Penn State. Uh, I think Blake Gilligan was a little bit ahead of him in terms of composite rating. So, like, the level of guy uh, that Penn State has brought in compared to the level of production that they've gotten out of it. Like, the only other guys in that area are the guys who really came out of nowhere. So, like, your Christian Campbells, Jason Cabinda was a little bit better as a composite rating. Those sorts of dudes. None of those guys ended up getting the hype that Journey Brown has for being one of the best in college football and someone who has an NFL future. And, you know, it's a testament to uh, the coaching job that Jawan Sider did. I don't think he played. He would have gotten a year under Charles Huff, if anything. uh, But I don't think he uh, played under Charles Huff. Someone will certainly fact-check me if I'm wrong on that. The job that Jawan Sider has done, the job... Uh, that Ricky Ronnie did at his, as his offensive coordinator, the job that Matt Linegrover did as the offensive Like, all this stuff goes into it, but it's a testament to Journey Brown at the end of the day that he is as good as he is. And now we're at this point where you look at lists of guys with Heisman odds, and he's not high on it, but he's usually on that list somewhere of the top, you know, Forty to fifty guys in college football with Heisman odds. He's talked about as a potential, you know, day two or high on day three NFL draft pick. He's talked about as one of, you know, he's not in that uh, Travis Etienne class of running backs. Uh, This reminded me that Travis Etienne came back this year, which is very funny. uh, Him, the uh, Chuba Hubbard type guys, that level of guy, but he's viewed as a level just below them. And he has the numbers to back that up. Last season, 129 carries, 890 yards, 12 touchdowns. Uh, His performance to end the year, where he went 124 yards and two touchdowns against Minnesota, 101 against Indiana, 64 and 1 against Ohio State, 103 and 3 against Rutgers, and 202 and 2 against uh, Memphis in the bowl game. All this hype is justified. And I wanna know, Matt, before we dive into uh, you know, the context of him this season and what the future holds for him, what are just your thoughts on the preseason hike that Journey Brown has received?
1: Well, I think, first of all, is it's certainly well deserved, like you said. Um and I, I think where he's at right now, you you can see a way where he plays his way into that that group of of Etienne and Hubbard and some of those guys that are that are considered the, the best of the best in the college game going into this season. Um, and I think if you go back and look at some of those Heisman odds, he's probably pretty high up there for running backs too. Um, you know, that's a whole other discussion, but that's become such a quarterback centric award. And to even be a running back. That's, that's getting mentioned for, for, for any sort of Heisman contention is a testament to, to whoever it is. And let alone journey Brown with, with what we were we've been hitting on. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, it, it makes me feel good. I guess is the, the simplest way to say it is just that you you see a kid that by by all accounts has worked his butt off to to get where he is, and it clicked and it clicked so big for him that um, it, it's it, it's one of the reasons why I, I think I, you watch sports is for stories like this. The guy that that no one thought would be be where he is is now not only there but has the potential to even to go further. Um, and you know, there, there's, there's just so many different levels to it. And I think, um, you know, Penn state as a whole with James Franklin does, a, does such a good job of, of getting kids and, the, and those stories out there, whether it's, you know, Saquon Barkley for the Heisman a couple of years ago, Trace McSorley with some of his big years now, Micah Parsons and journey Brown, you see, you're seeing them getting that sort of buzz. Um, it, it, I think just reinforces what James Franklin and the coaching staff preaches all the time that if if you work hard and, and put the effort in and, you know, do do what you're, you're asked to do as a a member of this team, then the sky's the limit. You know, they're, if you're good enough, you're going to play. And if you, if you take advantage of those opportunities, you know, you're going to get more of them. And journey Brown is probably at least on, on this roster right now, the, the poster child for that kind of mindset.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, he's, he's someone who, He's the mix of the guy who's put in the work, the guy who has put in the big numbers, and the guy who's just a really exciting football player to watch. I mean, Memphis, uh, their defense wasn't exactly the 86 Bears last year, but that run that he had against them, where uh, ESPN's Mark Jones is basically just screaming because he's in awe of what he's watching Journey Brown do, showing off the speed showing off the strength which is uh that physicality was something that i don't think anyone saw coming when he ended up committing to penn state i think the thought was if he's able to get onto the field it is as a kick returner as a punt returner and as an occasional home run hitter he just has he has developed into a guy who does a little bit of everything for Penn state. And that, that like, that is just a hundred percent deserved every single element of hype that comes because while that hype, uh, you can lean into it a little bit too much. And a guy cannot deserve it. It doesn't come when someone is not deserving and hasn't backed it up on the football field. And he had, you know, he doesn't have the Just raw number of carries as a Hubbard, as an ETN of those established guys, you know, Kylan Hill, those established guys in college football who, uh, you know, we've seen over the years that they are some of the best running backs in the sport, but he, he just has everything that you want, and we have seen enough out of him to safely say Journey Brown is one of the best running backs in college football. And Matt, considering that hype and considering uh, you know everything that we just said about him, what constitutes in your book a good season for Journey Brown?
1: I, I think numbers are a part of it but I think like we've talked about with, with every single one of these guys, it's the numbers are going to be, are going to be skewed a little bit because they're not going to be, you're not going to have, you know, a guy that's carrying the ball 300 times. That's just not the way Penn State operates. I think if you even go back and look at, you know, Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders um, in in recent years, even guys that were the, the de facto number one guys without as much talent behind them, weren't carrying the ball that many times so I think it's hard to put a you know 250 carries and 1500 yards you know I think it's hard to say something like that for for any running back on this roster um even though journey brown is like we've said the the clear-cut number one guy I think you for me it's it's seen that that continued growth and evolution of his game you know seeing well what he did against Memphis for example seeing that Continue into you know the Virginia Tech game. You know I'm forgetting what the order the schedule goes in, but Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, the big games on the schedule. Seen him put up those kinds of efforts, whether it's with ten carries or thirty carries. Seen him run the same kind of way. Seen him be just as productive with the chances he gets, however many of them there are. Um, continuing to see that that growth because I think, like I said earlier. He has the potential to take that next step and join that 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 top tier of running backs by by not necessarily having the productivity and, and raw numbers of them, but by demonstrating just the, the talent that he has. Um and I think you know, he's he's gonna have more than hundred and twenty carries or whatever he had last year. You know, a lot of those, like you said, Bill, were in the last five games or so of the season. So he, he really obviously came on late in the year as Kane's injury and, and struggling to get consistent production at that spot. Um, up to that point, um, I, I think you're going to see him closer to 200. Maybe, maybe he reaches 250 if he, you know, just, you know, continues to grow and grow and improve and improve as a player. Um, but I think the numbers are going to be there regardless. And, you know, but whether it's, you know, 1200 yards or 1600 yards, I think you're going to see a really, really productive season and, You're just seeing him continue to become a better player because I think, you know, yes, this is his fourth year in the program, but I think you're still just scratching the surface um, because of, you know, what we saw in in the limited carries last year. Um, I think there's more there, and I think seeing seeing that continue to grow, whether it's that the the strength, whether it's the the athleticism in the open field, or, or or you know, being more consistent as a pass catcher just continuing to grow as a football player and a running back, I think is, is most important because, because everything else will come from that.
0: Yeah. I, I like how you saying, you, you said he's still scratching the surface because he's all like for all this hype, he's still a guy who has never been asked to lead a backfield over the course of an entire college football season. So like we, for how all the praise we're keeping on, we still don't quite know what the best version of journey Brown is but if it's something, if it's basically just an expanded version of what we saw last year, that's one hell of a running back. I mean, I would say the expectation for him, I'm looking at uh, Athlon Sports preseason All-Big Ten offense And looking at the running backs, first team was Journey Brown and Trey Sermon at Ohio State. Second team uh, was Stevie Scott of Indiana and Mohamed Ibrahim of Minnesota. Third team was Zach Charbonnet at Michigan and Elijah Collins at Michigan State. Fourth team was uh, Isaiah Pacheco at Rutgers and Dedrick Mills in Nebraska. Like, I don't think any of the guys that I said are just clear-cut better than Journey Brown. I mean, Sermon or Master Teague, whoever ends up being at Ohio State's really good. Uh, Ibrahim's a talented player. Stevie Scott's one of my favorite players to watch, but, like, what Journey Brown is capable of doing, he there really is... It, there really is no reason why he can't be the best running back in the Big Ten this year. And not saying he will, I'm not saying if he isn't the queer-cut best running back in the Big Ten this year, his season's a disappointment or anything like that. It's just that path exists for him, and it's an easier path for him than basically any other running back in the Big Ten. That's special. like That's something that... like, That's dream work stuff for a guy who... There was no guarantee he was going to be in the program by this point because, you know, maybe he transfers to a Duquesne or a Robert Morris or a program of that ilk. And it's led to this NFL hype. Uh, I You know, Matt, I don't think there's too terribly much that you and I uh, can say on this just because, you know, we haven't spent hours upon hours studying this NFL draft uh, running back class, but. One thing that's becoming increasingly popular in the NFL is you get the guy who is the best mix of production uh bestness of production and not having a ton of tread on his tires and with you know 137 career carries and uh 100 yeah, 137 career carries and 16 career receptions He's not really a guy who has a ton of tread on his miles. He seems like someone who with a big season this year could potentially get his name into first running back taken off the board uh, conversation.
1: Yeah, I think the, the critical part there is like you said, it's he, he's going to have probably by far the fewest carries of any potential running back in the, in the draft. It's become really hard, and you can probably speak to this better than I can, Bill. Just from from following the, the NFL, probably closer than I do to some level. But running back has become an interesting position. You know, you look. I think the first guy that went in the draft this year was um, the, the kid from LSU that went
0: with the, that's the very
1: last pick um, in the first round in Kansas City, which, by the way, is a fantastic pick, and he's to- in the, just put up crazy
0: good numbers with the Chiefs. But that's, if I may, that's neither here nor there. If I may, total luxury pick completely just rubbing it into the rest of the league. And it was awesome.
1: Oh, for sure. But, I th- but more to my point is that, you know, a guy that, that was that productive at LSU in that offense um, didn't get, hear his name called until the very end of the first round. And then you saw a couple of guys go in the second round. Um, it's a, it's hard to say that, you know, he's going to be you know a day one or a day two pick just because um, I I think the, the production is certainly going to be there. I think we all expect that. And he's going to have that, that low carry number. Um, but it's, it's finding the right fit. And, and it's wherever that fit falls for the right team. Um, you know, the lines here in town took uh, Deandre Swift uh, and with their second round pick, which is, by the way is another fantastic pick because very hot take here. Guys that are really good football players in college, are generally going to be really good football players at the NFL, regardless of stat evaluation and measurements and and what have you. Um, and I think journey Brown is, as we've seen with a number of guys at Penn state, is going to potentially have ridiculous combine numbers is going to, going to do all the things that get you noticed, but it's still an interesting position. Um, that, you know, is is he a second round pick? Is he a third round pick? Is he a, a fifth round pick? It's, it's, it's so weird how that position has gone from being so critical to being almost an afterthought for a lot of teams because they can get a guy that, that they can plug in. That's going to do what they need at that spot. In a lot of cases, um, unless you get, you know, the Saquon Barkley type, that's just, you know, a, a generational type of talent.
0: Exactly. And like, I don't think all due respect to Judy Brad, I don't think he's like barreling in that direction uh, for, you know, for how good he is. Like, what Saquon brings is just something completely different. But like, I actually think, and this isn't, you know, obvious bias here. I actually think that my what happened with Miles Sanders is actually a pretty good comparison for what could end up happening with Journey Brown. Uh, Sanders went round two, uh, middle of round, middle of the round uh, to the Eagles. Had, you know, between. Oh, God, I have to add uh, three numbers together. This is going to be a lot. But he had uh, 276 carries, 32 receptions, 38 kickoffs. Like, those were his collegiate touches. My guess is that Journey Brown is, you you know, by the time his career ends, he's going to have more than, uh, at, at least on the receptions and rushing totals, he's going to have more than that. But that's still a guy who... Tests well at the combine, puts up really good numbers in college, and for a team that needs a running back, he he just checks all the boxes, especially if this year he becomes a little bit better uh as a blocker, as a receiver, you know, those sorts of things. He's a guy who has a whole lot of football ahead of him. Uh, and that starts this season in Happy Valley, and I think he's going to have just a really, really, really special uh final year. Uh, as a Nittany Lion. Last question on the running backs as a whole before we talk about one. Uh, I was going to say one little thing, but it's a decidedly not little thing. Uh, it's just expectation setting for the running back room this year. And Matt, for me, I think it can be really succinctly summed up as I think Penn State, the expectation is that it is one of the five best running back rooms in college football. And whenever Sean Clifford needs them to kind of give him some time to get into the flow of a football game, they're going to bail him out because that is just how much talent exists in Penn State's backfield.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, the simple answer for me to the question of expectations is is more of the same. I think um, you know, starting really you know as disappointing as the 2015 season was, but Saquon Barkley was was kind of a. Um, you know, we saw early on how good he was, and really since then, um, it's hard to argue with Penn State having, you know, consistently one of the five to ten best groups of running back in the country. Whether it's you know one or two guys, and you know Barkley and Miles Sanders, or like we saw last year, where you saw four guys, you know, really carry carry the load. Um, what's intriguing to me as a as a group, um, as a whole, I guess, is you've got this new offense that I think we'll see there's going to be more of a a commitment to establishing the run. And I think like we've hit on so many times, you're going to see it more from the running back position as opposed to from the quarterback position. Um, You know, Sean Clifford is going to be a factor running the ball, but you're going to see a lot more of, of these four or five guys carrying the ball. Um, And I think you're going to see, like I said a commitment to, to sticking with it I think um right or wrong you saw Penn State get away from effective running games pretty consistently and that, that's not just a Ricky Ronnie thing I think it goes back to to Joe Moorhead I think because of the the mindset of, of hitting that big play um led them to to abandon things that were working um from time to time and I think too, and we'll talk about it. I think it might be the next podcast we have up is they're going to be running behind uh, what is undoubtedly Penn state's most experienced offensive line since James Franklin has been here. And I think um, has the potential to be one of Penn state's best offensive lines in a long time with that combination of, of talent experience. And then the, the introduction of Phil Troutwine. I think all those, those factors, you know, new offense, new offensive line coach and new offensive line philosophy all combined with the talent in the room is going to create just this, the, the potential to have really one of the best running seasons. I think we've seen from Penn state in a long, long time, top to bottom.
0: I, I would agree. And uh, what one last expectation It's just that it, it is that we, um, we see a lot. We see on a weekly basis. We can ne- are never able to predict who has the best game. Uh, out of Journey Brown, Noah Kane, and De- like Wi because Isaiah Holmes, their time will come. But out of Journey Brown, Noah Kane, and Devin Ford, I would be very surprised if any guy had the best game of the bunch three weeks in a row. Just because that's how much talent there is, and they're legitimately going to be able to tailor what they want to do in their running game to whatever their opponent's weakness is the- in the running game. And when you are able to do that, and you have that kind of flexibility. You know, that's the dream. And I cannot wait to see what Penn State ends up doing with that. Uh, we're not going to be doing all offensive line next week. Uh, we're going to be doing wide receivers next week. So instead of doing the uh, position with the most experience, we're doing the one with the least experience. Uh, that'll certainly be fun. One last thing uh, before we go on this edition of the podcast. Uh, we sat back and we watched, we, we all had to uh, confront our own, Uh, mortality on uh, June 8th. This is the first time that Matt and I have podcasted together since then, because on June 8th, 15-year-old, 6'5", 240-pound, tight end, Matthias Mega Barnwell became Penn State's first commit in the class of 2023. Matt, he's a child, and he's already, like, near Mike Gasicki size. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to watch too terribly much of him. I just know that uh, for tight ends, he's going to end up being one of those rare kids that ends up being ranked very, very, very high. What can Penn State fans... Ex- wh- like, what do Penn State fans need to know about the game uh, that even as a 15-year-old... Makes it so exciting that Matthias Barnwell is committed to the Nittany Lions.
1: Well, I think two things. One is is like you said, he's the the potential, and he's only a fifteen. So, you know, plenty will change between now and and when he signs. And fortunately, he signs in December. You know, theoretically, in the earliest signing period of twenty twenty two, before I turn forty. A month later, so the important part is he will sign when I'm still in my thirties. Is number one, but <laughs> but more importantly for the rest of the fan base is. Just he's just a a freak athlete, and and you hit on the, the most important numbers. He's fifteen years old, and he's already six five two sixty, and you know I don't know what Pat Fryermuth weighs in and, and and checks in at this point, but Mike Kosicki was about that size, like you said, as a as a college senior. Um He's going to get bigger, he's going to get stronger, but uh the, the athleticism that you see if you you pop on his his freshman season highlight tape is just it's just insane. He's he's a man among boys as a boy at at 15 years old. And it's just, um, you know, it's, it's been a really bizarre recruiting period for the last, you know, almost four months now since, since visiting and traveling got shut down due to COVID. Um, so, so why not get really weird and have a 2023 kid commit before Penn State even has a 2022 kid on the, on, on the, uh, the committed list. Um, but he's just he's a an unbelievable athlete, and i you know tight on his word I think everyone expects him. We mentioned it in his commitment article that you know it's not a completely insane idea to think if he continues to grow you know there's you know offensive tackle defensive end um but you know i'm I'm trying to imagine a you know a full grown mega barnwell at you know maybe six six or six seven. You know, maybe pushing 280 or 290, lining up at tight end and running down the seam. And, it, you know, it's kind of that villagers running away from the giant kind of scene, I envision. Because he's just, Bill, I think you and I talked about this when he committed. It's kind of like, you know, imagining LeBron James lining up as tight end. Because he, 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 not to say he's going to turn into one of the greatest players of all time, but he's going to, he's built like that. And he's that kind of athle- athletic that you just don't see very often in someone that size. Um, and it's just, uh, the, the, the possibilities of, of, imagining what he can do in, 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 any offense, let alone the way Penn state's utilized the tight end, um, consistently now for four or five years, um, is, is, is certainly intriguing. We're just have to wait a little while to see it,
0: man. I'd really love it. If LeBron James played football for Penn state, that'd be really cool. Uh, yeah, I obviously, uh, You know, the disclaimer is that he is a high school freshman. Uh, There's a lot that has to happen between now and the day that he commits to Penn State. Uh, Knock on every surface around you uh, that he's able to keep improving. And, you know, you don't want to see this kind of kid, kid plateau because he just has so much talent right now. But if it all works out for him, I mean, whew he's going to be a good one. And fortunately, you know, if all goes well for him, uh, he will only have to spend, uh, two years in college. Uh, and then he will be able to enter in the 2026 NFL draft, which none of us want to think about that right now. So we won't think about that. We will instead, uh, thank you for listening to this edition, uh, of roar Lions radio, of course, can t- please, please, please stay safe out there. Keep tossing your mask on, doing everything that needs to happen. Uh, reduce cases of this and hopefully we're able to get some semblance of college football a little bit later this year because it is safe for the student athletes and the coaches and everyone else to be out there. Uh, make sure you're following Roar Lines Roar and all of our various social media channels. Keep reading the site, keep supporting the site, keep buying some shirts. And of course, listen to this podcast. Make sure you're heading on one of the many podcast platforms to subscribe particularly if you want to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review over there. We would very much appreciate that. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio from my co-host Matt DeBear. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.